What's up, everybody? What is going on? Hey, everybody. Fred Ricciani, TSC, here to recap WrestleMania 36, night one from top to bottom. If you're new here, please consider subscribing. I've been a little wonky, been a little wacky. Obviously, we were all in the middle of a crazy, wacky pandemic, strange times. I mean, not really wacky, more devastating. I hope, first and foremost, y'all are staying safe. Y'all are staying sound. And I hope you all got to enjoy WrestleMania. But if you didn't, I'm here to recap it for all of y'all. We had a couple title changes. We had some big bumps. We had some major, major news. And man, I I think uh, night two's going to have to uh, really step it up because night one was pretty damn good. Now, there were some things that mm, were a little all over the place. A little mm, not that great. But this ended with a bang. So let's just start with the best part of the night, which... I'm shocked I'm even saying this right now. The best part of WrestleMania was the Boneyard match. Believe it or not, the Boneyard match between AJ Styles and The Undertaker here. So get this. Undertaker. (laughs) Well, first off, AJ Styles arrives. There's a coffin. AJ comes out of it. He's laughing. He's being this douchey heel. Undertaker rolls in. I believe it was Metallica in the background, motorcycle as the American badass. Now, it would have been nice if he had the old school kid rock or Limp Bizkit, but hey, it's or even like the big evil theme song. But you know what? This was still an awesome visual. And these dudes literally brawled in a freaking boneyard. This looked like something straight out of The Walking Dead. It was hilarious. It was, it was great, hilarious, awesome. All at the same time. I mean, for people that enjoyed the old Matt Hardy stuff when he first did the broken Matt char- character stuff, this was similar to that. I mean, I don't know if Jeremy Borash, who produced those, produced this. And by the way, Jeremy Borash, former Impact Wrestling personality and producer, he does work for WWE, has for the last couple of years. This is one of his specialties. I wouldn't be surprised if he had a hand to this. But either way, this is one of the best non-entering pieces of work that WWE has ever produced. Uh, they went back and forth, went through walls, Undertaker threw uh, the gallows off the, a roof of like some crazy barn or shed or whatever the hell it was. He tombstoned Anderson. He summoned fire. He fell into a grave. A- AJ thought he was buried and gone, but Undertaker rose back up, actually popped back up. Ended up getting a bulldozer, burying AJ alive, choke slamming him, made AJ apologize for all the bad things he did. This was so good. This was so freaking good. This wasn't good. This was great. This was awesome. So massive, massive thumbs up for the Boneyard match. Now, unfortunately, not all of the matches, well, took place outside, which meant that they had to take place inside that awkward, cold, silent, wacky, awkward, empty gym known as the WWE Performance Center. And look, I think everybody worked their freaking asses off. And I do want to sincerely thank everybody involved for their efforts tonight and tomorrow night. And yes, even the nefarious, the tone deaf, the insensitive Vince McMahon, I thank him for his efforts too. This was a very welcome distraction. But Here's why the Boneyard match worked and why the rest of the stuff kind of didn't. 
And, and it's kind of quite simple if you really think about it. The reason that stu- other stuff, other than the Boneyard match, were, d- didn't work for the most part was because you were in an empty arena. You were reminded that, hey, there's a pandemic going on. We, we you know, the no fans. I mean, I mean, at least have Gronk, who was the host of this show, and unfortunately, he was kind of annoying. At least have Gronk and his buddy Mojo in the crowd cheering and booing. That would have been significantly better than just having silence, having some trash talk, hearing the referee be able to say anything and everything. That was a little, eh, a little much for me. That being said, great effort from everybody involved. So we did kick things off with Rob Gronkowski, as your host, he was joined by his designated best friend, Mojo Raleigh. These guys were super, super annoying. I mean, I'm sorry. I like Mojo, but very annoying. Very, very annoying. But hey, it didn't last that long. And then we had Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus the Kabuki, Warrior, Kabuki Warriors excuse me, for the tag team titles. This was actually a pretty good match. Uh, in the past, I've been a little critical of Alexa Bliss. I've always thought she's been a strong character, but some of her matches have, have left a lot to be desired, especially when she was a women's champion. I thought this was actually pretty good stuff here. She got the win for her team with a twisted bliss. Granted, it kind of landed uh, on the, the legs and ankles on, and on a clean twisted bliss, but still, pretty good match. Nikki Cross and Alexa Bliss are your new tag team champions, and Alexa Bliss now has the honor of being a former Raw Women's Champion, SmackDown Women's Champion, Ms. Money in the Bank, and now a WWE Women's Tag Team Champion. Not a bad resume for a future Hall of Famer when it comes to the main roster. By the way, on the prelims, we had like seven minutes of Drew Gulak versus Cesaro, which was actually really good stuff, and Cesaro got the win with an airplane spin, a.k.a. what he calls the UFO, which I don't think he's busted out since his Ring of Honor days like 10 years ago. So that was pretty cool, but... Here's the problem with that, right? They busted that out. They had a pretty good match while it lasted. But the rest of the, the 53-something minutes, we had Peter Rosenberg and Corey Graves just talking and talking and talking and talking. And let me tell you something. I was not feeling that. But beggars can't be choosers. We, we got some entertainment on the pre-show, albeit for a whopping seven minutes. But Alexa Bliss and Nikki Cross versus Kabuki Warriors, pretty good opener there. We then had our next match, which is just... I mean, this should have been a bathroom break for, for everybody watching at home. Elias beat Baron Corbin. That's right, Elias somehow survived being thrown off the scaffold or balcony or whatever the, the hell it is off the Performance Center. He fell off there. And, and somehow, someway, miraculously recovered in like two weeks. Maybe not. Wasn't even two weeks. It was like a week. Barely a week. He's miraculously recovered. And he ended up beating Baron Corbin, the uh, king. He's still the, the, the dorky king. Via roll-up by holding the tights. A complete nothing match. Not one worthy of WrestleMania. Uh, not one worthy of any real praise or, or value whatsoever. So uh, keep, keep that in mind there. So you could skip that if you didn't watch it. We had Becky Lynch versus Shayna Baszler for the Raw Women's Championship. I was expecting a lot more from this match. It was really good. It was actually really good while it lasted. But the problem is it wasn't long enough. And while I do think at at points that some of these matches should have been a little bit shorter given the empty arena vibe and everything else, uh, the, the reality is this is one of those matches that was really starting to click on all cylinders. 
And then Shayna Baszler went for a choke. Uh, Becky Lynch uh, reversed it, got on top of her. The, the Roddy Piper, Bret Hart finish from WrestleMania got the pin. Becky Lynch shockingly, shockingly retains the Raw Women's Championship. And barring any craziness, she will set the record for being the longest reigning WWE Women's Champion on the Raw side of all time, which is pretty remarkable. So good for her. Couldn't happen to a nicer person, a harder working person. Hopefully my homegirl Sasha will one day that get that kind of reign. Seriously, long overdue. So pretty good match, but again, could have been longer. Sami Zayn versus Daniel Bryan. This was a pretty good match for the IC title, but another kind of silly, weird finish. So Bryan goes up the top rope. He's distracted by Shinsuke Nakamura and Cesaro. Stupid baby face. He jumps off the top rope. Sami hits the Haluva kick or the, the Yakuza kick as it's known, Mafia kick, whatever you want to call it, and pins Daniel Bryan to retain the IC title. Look, I'm happy that my Arab brother from another mother, Sami Zayn, Syrian excellence, got the pinfall victory here at WrestleMania. But man, just beat him with the Haluva kick. Brian can afford a loss. You don't need to do this whole distraction. It made the referee look kind of dumb because Cesaro and Shinsuke kept getting involved. Granted, Drew Gulak was also there. But this was fun while it lasted. Just a little weird and wacky. We had, speaking of wacky, this is by far the wackiest match of the show. One that made zero sense. Zero sense, but they booked it anyway because that's WWE. John Morrison defeated Kofi Kingston and Jimmy Uso in a ladder match to retain the SmackDown Tag Team titles. And as I'm talking about this, I'm also reading all the feedback from the TSC viewers and listeners. Yes, I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. A singles match, a triple threat match for the Tag Team titles. (laughs) Singles match. Why, you ask? Well, here's what happened. Uh, Reportedly, according to Dave Meltzer of the Wrestling Observer, Miz showed up sick at the WrestleMania tapings. He was sent home. Rumor has it that was also the catalyst for the Miz uh, not being on the show. And, of course, Roman Reigns not being on the show. And I guess Jimmy Uso, or I'm sorry, Jey Uso not being on the show. I don't know why Big E was also not on the show. I guess he, he didn't feel comfortable and... That's fine. It's just kind of wacky. It's kind of wacky because there was really no explanation given. It was just a triple threat ladder match for the tag team titles, even though it was technically a singles match. Kind of silly. Kind of silly here. Uh, But this was good. They worked hard. But man, I felt like they took way too many risks, way too many bumps, way too many high risk maneuvers for my liking. Just way too many, way too many for a match that's taken place inside of an empty freaking arena. I, w- I was not feeling that aspect of it. I mean, come on. You're, you're going to have a ladder match with these major bumps at the WWE Performance Center. God bless all these men involved. I sincerely hope everybody, but especially these three men, get actual WrestleMania payoffs. I don't want to hear no BS from Vince McMahon. Oh, well, goddamn, pal, we don't have a... We don't have a live gate, so uh, we got to pay you your downside guarantee. No, stop it. Stop it, you cheap mofo, okay? You got money. You just sold millions of dollars worth of freaking stock. So y'all can afford to pay your talent their WrestleMania bonuses. It is the right 
thing to do. Don't even consider it a WrestleMania bonus. Consider it hazard pay because they're literally putting their lives on the line performing this weekend. Granted, it was taped before, but you know what I'm saying. That's all I'm saying. Also, it'd be nice to Vince McMahon would maybe kick back some of the pay-per-view buy rates and network subscriptions they get this season towards, I don't know, the COVID-19 crisis, hospitals, a food bank. Debbie loves to hype up charity, hype up charity. And yet during a time when people need charity the most right now, I'm not hearing anything unless I missed it, but I haven't heard anything about Debbie doing that. So get on that Vince. It's the right thing to do. Anyway, so John Morrison was knocked off uh, these two ladders by Kofi Kingston and Jimmy Uso. And as John Morrison was falling, he grabbed the tag, tag titles from the glorified golden coat hanger that, that was, the tag titles were hanging from and won the match. Yeah, another silly, wacky, random, out-of-nowhere finish. And this was getting to the point where it was getting just a little bit old, a little bit too much, a little bit too cute for my liking. But whatever. Whatever. The right guys won, I think. I don't think John Morrison and Miz should be losing right now. Then we had Kevin Owens versus Seth Rollins. Really good match, but at first I thought, oh my God, this feud's never going to end because Seth Rollins attacked Kevin Owens on the outside, used the ring bell, got the disqualification, and Kevin Owens won by DQ, but Seth Rollins seemed to win the battle. But Kevin Owens did not want to settle for that. He wanted to win the war, and they restarted the match as a no-DQ match, and the finish was crazy here. Kevin Owens, Kevin Owens another guy that definitely has bonus. Went on top of the stage... Hopped off the stage, flying senton on Seth Rollins, through the table, and then hit a Stone Cold Stunner for the pinfall victory. Hell of a match. This would be even better with the crowd. But, hey, all things considered, these guys did their best. And one of the better matches, and one of the matches you should definitely go out of your way to see. By the way, if you're listening on the podcast, I appreciate y'all. And if you're listening live, especially on Facebook, on YouTube, I appreciate it. I'd appreciate it if you give this a thumbs up and share this with all your friends because we appreciate you and we want to get the word out there. We then had Paul Heyman cut a promo, hyping up the night two main event of Drew McIntyre, taking on Brock Lesnar for the WWE Championship. And then we had a crazy fast-paced match. Braun Strowman, Bill Goldberg, Goldberg hit, not one, not two, but three spears. Strowman kicks out. Hit another spear. Was going for a jackhammer. Strowman had a power slam. Another power slam. Another power slam. Another power slam. Four power slams total to win the universal title. And, and what irony is this, right? All these years I've been advocating for Braun Strowman to be the guy. And under the strangest of circumstances, Roman Reigns dropping out of WrestleMania. Which, oh, by the way, they didn't provide any real life or storyline reason for. They just announced this freaking match on SmackDown like it was nothing. And didn't respect the viewers that were paying attention to storylines. But whatever, that's neither here nor there. So finally Strowman wins. And he wins in a random world title match in front of no people. Hey, good for him. Congrats. I think it was well-earned. That being said, he just only recently lost to Sami Zayn and the Goof Troop last month for the IC title. And public relations-wise, uh, he didn't put himself in favor with a lot of fans and indie wrestlers because Evil Uno of AEW 
posted uh, something on Instagram about supporting your favorite indie wrestlers, whether it be through Patreon, merch, or GoFundMe, whatever. Because if you didn't notice, there's a pandemic and a lot of people, especially independent contractors, are crap out of luck right now. And by the way, I want to send all my love and support to anybody affected. Well, everybody is affected, but especially those affected not only health-wise, but also economically as well. Times are definitely rough, and I'm hoping and praying for all y'all to get back on your feet. But Strowman commented on, on the post. And he's like, he, he said, and I'm paraphrasing here. You can look up the whole diatribe. But he essentially said, oh, well, I came to Florida with $150 in my pocket. And, you know, I ended up making myself a star. If you can't, if you can't wrestle full time, just get another job, you know, have a real career. And that may seem harsh, but that actually seems like practical life advice. If this wasn't a pandemic where this country is on the verge of roughly maybe like almost 30% unemployment, crazy times. I mean, more unemployment than the Great Recession and Great Depression. This is crazy. This is, there's going to be almost 7 million people by next week, maybe more, unemployed, which is horrible. And Braun Strowman saying, hey, hey, just get another job. You know what? I'm sure a lot of these indie wrestlers would want to get jobs if they could find one. Dumbass. That being said, I respect the, Braun Strowman's work. I did advocate for him to win the world title years ago when he was hot because if you haven't noticed in pro wrestling, timing is everything. And I just didn't think this was the right time. Uh, I thought they should have kept the title on Goldberg. I thought Goldberg should have won this match. Hold the title until SummerSlam. God forbid you can't do SummerSlam. Guess what? Wait till the fall. Nothing's going to happen. Knock on wood, nothing's going to happen to Goldberg. He's a relatively healthy guy. Okay? Keep him on ice. Keep Roman Reigns on ice. And when it's safe enough... To do the match, just do it. And yes, you could still do it, but it's not the freaking same. Braun Strowman here came in with no momentum whatsoever. No momentum. No injury angle with Roman Reigns. Not even an announcement. Not even Strowman winning a number one contendership. Nothing. Nothing. Just a graphic. Boom. Here we go. That's it. But you know what? In a weird way, maybe that's what Braun Strowman deserves, right? After those comments, uh, after being insensitive to his fellow peers and from my understanding, he is remorseful uh, about those comments, but I haven't seen a public statement. All I saw is him blocking fans on Twitter. So hopefully he gets his head out of his ass. Hopefully he uh, can be a little bit more humble now that he's actually getting a WrestleMania payday. He claimed he wasn't even getting he claimed he wasn't even getting paid while he wasn't wrestling. Bro, you have a downside guarantee and you're one of the top freaking stars. What the hell are you talking about? And now you're the universal champion. So please, no excuses, no BS. Carry yourself like a professional. Carry yourself like a Roman Reigns, like a Bill Goldberg, all right? You're the champ now. Act like it. And then, of course, we had my favorite match of the night, as I recapped at the top of the show, the Bone Yard match. There was no boning. There were no bones. But there was graveyards. There was darkness. There was fire. There were motorcycles. There was a shovel. <laughs> this was great. This was great. Again, if you haven't watched WrestleMania, if there's one match you got to go out of your way to see, and there's a couple here, but the one main match you really got to go out of your way to see, Undertaker versus AJ Styles. Now, I'm long behind The Walking Dead, and I'll probably piss off some Walking Dead fans, but that's fine. This was better than some Walking Dead episodes, this Undertaker-AJ match. So good. So good. And by the way, there's going to be a new Undertaker docuseries, The Last Ride, coming soon to WWE Network. And tomorrow, after the night two, they're going to be having the WWE documentary on Edge's comeback. So really good stuff by WWE here. I got to give them their props from a 
production standpoint, outside of the stupid camera cuts during some of the matches in the Performance Center, this was a very well-produced show. Everybody worked their asses off. I still think this shouldn't have been done in the first place. I still think from a health standpoint, from a business standpoint, especially from a shareholder standpoint, this was a very stupid decision of, by Vince McMahon to run WrestleMania 36. However, however, we're living presently here, right? We're taking it day by day as, as we all are. We're appreciating this thing called life. I got to say, I do appreciate the entertainment value that Deddy B provided. I do appreciate the effort from the production team, from all the camera people, from the commentators, and of course, the professional wrestlers that left it all on the line. And I'm certainly looking forward to a lot of the matches on Sunday night, including including my homegirl Bailey defending her SmackDown Women's title. Hopefully Sasha gets the win, although I love Bailey too. Drew McIntyre, my main man, the Scottish psychopath, going for an elusive world title against Brock Lesnar, or as he would say, Brock Lesnar. And then we have the comeback. Edge, one of my all-time favorite wrestlers, taking on Randy Orton, who has been clicking on all cylinders in a last-man-standing match. I think this show will be pretty damn good, but we might have some stinkers here. Austin Theory. Yeah, Austin Theory. A guy named Austin Theory from, for most of America and in the world. Teaming up with Angel Garza, who's definitely a future superstar. Taking on the Street Profits for the tag team titles. That match may need some help. The match I'm really worried about, though, Bray Wyatt versus John Cena in a funhouse match. Now, I, I didn't think much of the Boneyard match at first before it started, like a lot of people, because we've seen a million crappy Bray Wyatt matches, a million crappy Kane matches with all these stupid gimmicks, and more often than not, actually, more often, or actually often, actually all the time, forget that, all the time they have sucked. I can't remember a great-themed Kane match. I can't remember a great-themed Bray Wyatt match. But Undertaker and AJ Styles overcame the WWE Cinema Studios curse to have a great cinematic spectacle. So I'm hoping John Cena can help Bray Wyatt actually act. I'm hoping John Cena can cut out some of the stupidity from this Bray Wyatt match that we normally get. And I'm hoping that John Cena has had nightmares about his previous Bray Wyatt feud, which featured a steel cage match where he lost after a kid with a deep voice saying he's got the whole world in his hands. And if you don't believe me, go back and watch it or don't. Extreme Rules 2014, one of the worst matches you'll ever freaking see. So yeah, Bray Wyatt, please prove me wrong because it's been a long time since you've had a good match. It's been a long time since you've had a good match. But let's get to some of the viewer and listener feedback here. King Glass says, I hope they get hazard pay. Me too, bro. Zay Rocks, did Drew win? Now, Drew is wrestling on Sunday night two against Brock Lesnar. Uh, King Glass says, I'll give one thing to Vince, uh, then, now, and forever. Yeah. He's not BSing. The world could be ending, and he would have probably been having the match with Shane, a match with Shane in his backyard. Yeah, that's true. I feel like Morrison should be a singles wrestler. He's super talented. I totally agree with that. Uh, I mean, look, I, I love Miz and Morrison as a team. I'd rather see them as a relevant team than Morrison getting lost in the shuffle, but I agree with you. I mean, this is a guy that could have broken through as a main eventer back in 2010. Ziggler should have won more history with Goldberg than Strowman. Yeah, I'm, I'm not. I'm not too worried about that. Maybe Sami Zayn has a chance to have the world title since he beat Braun. 
hey, they got to do that match at some point, right? AEW should invade WWE. Well, Lemuel, uh, Laster, I don't, I don't know about that. Face goes 2-1, Goldberger, Braun, Braun Strowman, 1. Toby edits that AJ Taker match was amazing. Do you think there should be more Taker versus Sting, other legends who could actually work like this? You know what? That's a phenomenal idea. I, lo I love that. Triple H, I believe it was with ESPN, did an interview where he said that, well, he said a couple of things. He said, one, that things are not going back to normal. There's going to be a new normal. He was very blunt about this, which tells me that it wasn't his idea to just announce Braun Strowman versus Goldberg out of the blue. It seems like he really wanted a storyline reason. So I feel bad that he was put in a bad position by his father-in-law, like he consistently has been. And obviously, AEW beating NXT in the ratings doesn't help his cause either. But he also mentioned that he thinks that, and I'm paraphrasing here, they're, they're going to change the way they film things and present things. And I think you don't want a boneyard match every week on Raw or SmackDown. But you could do some clever stuff like this. You, re you really could. And I, I think you're right. Undertaker versus Sting and a regular match probably won't work right now just because of the physical condition of, of both men, especially Sting who has spinal stenosis. But some kind of match like this or if they did a boneyard tag team match with Sting and the Undertaker against, I don't know, throw out, throw out the name, you know, Bray Wyatt and Eric Rowan. Why not? It's so wacky. It's so ridiculous. It just might work. Lucas R Ramirez says, hola, what's up, bro? Okay. What do you think about Drew McIntyre, Brock, who's going to win? I think Brock Lesnar will lose. I think Drew McIntyre will win. If it were up to me, I would really wait for Drew to get the title later in the year when he actually runs shows. But here's the problem, right? And this is why I feel bad for Shayna losing, even though, especially because I think she should have won right now. Timing is everything. And and Shayna's not a young woman. And, and she definitely breaks the mold. And I have a lot of respect for her work as an MMA pioneer and, and her work in pro wrestling and rising up the ranks so quickly. But she breaks the mold in WWE, which means at times, you know, she's only going to get a, a certain amount of leash before Vince McMahon yanks and says, you know what? Let me, let me go to my next shiny new toy. We've seen that before. And, uh, you know, I, I think this is the time for her to win. And I, I don't know. She's just not Vince's type. And I hope I'm wrong. Maybe maybe, maybe Vince will, will give her the title soon. I don't know. Maybe, maybe they booked a title, a title change on the Raw after Mania, which I believe is already taped. Who knows? But if they didn't, yeah, I think, I think Shayna should have won. And uh, in terms of Drew, if Drew didn't win, Vince McMahon changes his mind so freaking much that Maybe you decide, you know what, I'm just going to give the title to Roman or Seth or Kevin Owens or whoever, and all of a sudden there goes McIntyre's title shot. So you know what? While the iron's still sort of hot right now, given everything going on, give it to Drew, and I think Drew will win. Uh, Scott Anderson says, the funhouse match may actually be inside an old-style carnival funhouse. Okay, that would be kind of fun. That, that would actually be kind of fun, kind of wacky, very reminiscent of, of an infamous scene in Gotham where uh, the Joker was going at it with a young Bruce Wayne and, and James Gordon. If you're any Gotham fans are watching or listening to this, give me a thumbs up. I mean, that, that's a great show, and I, I miss it very much, but uh, it would be very similar to that. Matthew Hagen says this about Braun Strowman winning. About damn time. Yeah, I think a lot of people feel that way, even if you don't feel great about some of Braun's comments. Toby says that Shayna Becky match was the worst of the night. Sad for both women. I wouldn't say that. Hang on. That's the worst match of the night on a show that had Elias versus Baron Corbin. 
What? Come on, man. You got you to take that back. Terrell Scott says WrestleMania should be two nights next year. I agree. Crowd or no crowd, WrestleMania definitely works better with two nights. I think New Japan Pro Wrestling set the blueprint for them with the with, with, with the two nights of Wrestle Kingdom. There's nothing here that was Wrestle Kingdom quality as far as just bell to bell. But again, given the circumstances, it's un- understandable. But still, I actually enjoy this. And here's the crazy thing. This show began, I think the pre- pre-show began at 6 p.m. Eastern time. This show ended like around 10 p.m. Eastern time. I like this. You don't need a long WrestleMania that goes eight, nine freaking hours. You just don't. You just don't. King Glass says, I think if it was up to Vince, Liv Morgan would be champion. Maybe Stephanie McMahon is booking the division. I don't know. I like Liv Morgan. She grew up in my hometown or my other hometown of Elmwood Park, New Jersey, where I spent the first eight years of my life. Uh, so, uh, and I like her and her work ethic, but I'm not feeling the gimmick. Ed Molina says, I really like the opener, Kabuki Warriors and Bliss and Cross. Uh, my buddy Kevin says, I thought about reactivating my subscription, but ultimately was like, what's the point? They're not going to do anything interesting with this. You know, that should have been a cra- question mark. My buddy Ed also says, Seth, Seth and Owens was solid. Shayna, Becky could have gone longer, but it was okay. The ladder match was freaking awesome. Yeah, I, I, I enjoyed the ladder match again, but just, ugh, I, I felt very uncomfortable with the bumps that some of these dudes were taking. Again, empty arena. And actually, I, I believe uh, KO took a Falcon Arrow on the freaking apron. Ugh. Now that, my friends, looked brutal. But overall, an entertaining show. WrestleMania quality? No. WrestleMania effort from everybody involved? Hell freaking yeah. So again, much respect to everybody involved in WWE for putting this out there. Vince McMahon, I'll even give you some props for doing this, but uh, I sincerely hope and pray that nobody, nobody tests positive, that nobody suffers any health ailments, that everybody stays safe and sound. And that certainly goes for my listeners, for the viewers, for everybody at home. Thank you so much for watching, for checking us out. I just want to let y'all know before we go, I uploaded a brand new WWE Network app review. Is it worth your money in 2020? You'll find out here. It's already been uploaded. I got a new WWE 2K DLC review coming up. And we have an interview with WWE Hall of Famer, The Godfather, coming soon. Plus, of course, WrestleMania 36, Night 2. That will be reviewed as well. We'll take a couple more comments. WWE Wrestling, effing Braun Strowman beat Goldberg. Sorry for swearing. All good. Why not give someone like Liv Morgan or Mandy a run with the title since fans are tired of the same few champs? Hey, I agree. And I think actually Sasha should have a long run on SmackDown. And uh, I think that Mandy or, or, or Sonya should get the title at some point. Liv, I don't think she's ready yet. But Mandy and Sonya have been ready to break out for a long time. We shall see. And actually, a couple, a couple more news notes from... What I understand, AEW has already recorded a number of episodes of Dynamite, so they should be set for at least a few weeks. John Moxley, a.k.a. Dean Ambrose, defending the AEW world title against Jake Hager, a.k.a. Jack Swagger, in a couple weeks in an empty arena match. I mean, everything's going to be empty arena now. AEW also created the TNT Championship, which is kind of like their IC title, a TV title, and they'll be having a tournament to crown a new champion, which will apparently culminate a double or nothing, which I don't think is going to be taking place in May in Vegas because Vegas totally on lockdown right now. Also, as I mentioned before, Raw's been taped. SmackDown's been taped. 
I think WWE safely has at least a few weeks of NXT programming in the can. If you don't know, there's a stay-at-home order right now in Florida. There's a stay-at-home order in Georgia where AEW and WWE were filming. But look, they, they got deep political connections. For better or worse, I think they'll figure out a way. I think it hurts AEW more not being able to film, whereas WWE has plenty of old original content that's really good. I mean, they just played HBK versus Ric Flair on free TV the other night. They just uh, played Brock Lesnar versus Seth Rollins versus John Cena. Unfortunately, AEW doesn't have that kind of star power or library. So good luck to uh, both companies. We'll, we shall see what happens. But again, folks, thank you so much for watching and listening. Please subscribe, like, share, take care. You can find the TSC News podcast on your favorite podcast app. And until next time, as always, enjoy the matches and stay safe.